Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. And you could get the level of return on investment that Rightmove offers. Not having a company brochure gives us a point of differentiation. What makes you say you're the world's best, best estate agent? We've created a super special free Firewave gift just for our podcast listeners. You can get yours by going to www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. So we've got a bit of a different episode for you today, haven't we? We have, and there is a trend going around for overrated and underrated. On TikTok. But genuinely, I said to Sam a couple of weeks ago, we need to do an episode which is just overrated, underrated, and we'll just discuss it. She said, yes, I've seen that trend, and I hadn't seen it. So I... So you started the trend? Yeah, but after the trend started, but without the prior knowledge of it. And when we were recording this, Phil has just got back on holiday. And I'm not very well. And he's not very well. But it's not the C word. It's just the... You calling me a C word? No, I'm not calling you a C word. Don't worry. He's got a slight sore throat, which means he's dying. So you might hear him spluttering every now and again. I might have to take over. Like the truth. It's not like you. (laughs) Okay, so we've got Isaac here today. Hello, everyone. Isaac works He's the mediator. He's the mediator. (laughs) He's probably not a very good one. He'll probably decide with you. He is our lead gen expert over at Firewave. You've probably, if you are a Firewave member, and if not, why not? You have probably spoken to him because he does our marketing audits. You love those, don't you? Oh, they're my favourite thing about my job. (laughs) Couldn't imagine anything better to do with my time. Interesting, that's the first time I've found out he doesn't like them. (laughs) He loves them. He does. I like speaking to him. They're very involved. Uh, just very time-consuming, aren't they? So Isaac's going to read something out and he's going to ask us if we think that that thing, that strategy, tactic, whatever, is underrated or, or overrated. And fair warning here, Phil and I may not agree. I hope we don't. <laughs> Let's it'd, go. It'd be a boring podcast if we agree on everything. <laughs> okay, so the first one, overrated or underrated? Right move. Underrated. Underappreciated. Is that underrated? Yeah. You can't change it. It's not underappreciated and, and overappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the word rated. Yeah. Under, underrated. Yeah. It's underrated because people think that they can do without it. They love to hate it. They don't think that they should be paying what they're paying for it. But it's actually our number one lead gen tactic. I don't think they look at the actual return on investment. I mean, if you go into a different industry and you could get the level of return on investment that Rightmove offers to the majority of agents. I saw a post the other day on Facebook where people were saying the percentage of their turnover they spend on marketing. And there was obviously huge differentials in areas where some agents that do well in lower value areas turn over a quarter of a million. Their portal percentage of marketing was obviously a lot higher mm. than, say, ours. Yeah, but they've got volume. Yeah, but they can't but, be both ways. No, no, but they pay the same Rightmove fee. Yeah. So the percentage of that you spend on marketing is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Are, we, are we trying to restructure right move here? Not no, not at all. But I can per see property. how. Well, there are some countries where their portal spend is per property, so that's one way that they could go. But actually, I don't think I would want that. No, I'm, I'm not bothered. You know, if you've got a good enough fee, right move is negligible. Yeah. It's if you haven't got a good enough fee that it's not negligible. And also when you're just starting up, it is a bit harsh, isn't it? Although a lot of people don't know that the first six months is half price. They don't ask for it and then Rightmove don't tell them. Yeah, I think just to flip it on its head, I think Rightmove massively underappreciate their position as well. I don't think they do. I think they know they've got a monopoly. Yeah, that's what I mean. They underappreciate the responsibility they have. Responsibility, yes, not position. So the, the position of responsibility, yeah. 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 Okay. Number two. So the second one is team commissions, overrated or underrated? We'll probably agree on this one. Overrated. Yeah, we do. 
Sorry. Don't want to agree. But yeah, I think it's overrated just because the industry sees it as a given. And we see this in the masterminds we do of our fireway clients that whenever the topic of commission is brought up and there's new members there, it's always a bit of a shock <laughs> to the system that there are actually agents in the room that now don't charge commission. Don't pay commission. Don't pay commission. They certainly charge commission. One jumps to mind is Harry, who... Yeah, he was shocked, wasn't he? Yeah, he should be a Yorkshireman, Harry. He He's a Leicestershire man. He loves to save every penny he can. So as soon as the discussion of not paying commission came forward, he was all over it, wasn't he? And then... Uh, he, he was so excited, wasn't he? Was. He was. It didn't really say much. And the next mastermind we had, he stood up and said, proudly said... <laughs> They changed his payment structure and his staff didn't mind because I think it upped their basic and it was just a nice atmosphere in the office. Mm, yeah. I think you're writing a book on this. I am writing a book on this. Thank you for the nice little plug there. <laughs> Not specifically on commission, but writing a book on building a dream team because it's something we feel really strongly about. We never set out to pay commission. I've always believed that paying commission incentivizes bad behavior. When I say bad behavior, I don't mean it's not deliberately bad, but if we were to incentivize, say, Edward, who is our team executive and does some vows, if we were to incentivize him to take on a property no matter what, then how is he going to make a clear decision based on our selective criteria? He would just go in and go, yeah, I'll take it on. And then he might overval it. He might underfee it. You know, they're all things that he could do that would damage our brand. And they would all be incentivized by commission. And actually, if we don't pay commission, then he's only ever incentivized by our ethos as a company and our core values. So yeah, I think it is vastly overrated commission. And I think that if you assume that your team will work better because you pay them commission, I would revisit that assumption and just think about, it's difficult to take it off them once you've started. I completely get that. <laughs> Unless you're Harry. But Harry did it. Yeah. And also Steve Kay did it as well. He took commission off them and just restructured the pay. It's not that we don't pay bonuses of any kind. We do every now and again with non-scripted, non-planned we might give some kind of, it's either a little cash incentive, just hope HMRC aren't listening, or it's a little trip from Chester Races. If HMRC are listening, it's a voucher. <laughs> and they get incentivized and rewarded. In fact, it's more rewarded than incentivized in lots of different ways. Commission is only one way of incentivizing, rewarding your team. And if you've been paying commission for more than a few months, that commission is basically that person's wage and entitlement and they won't see it as commission anymore. I guess what we've tried to do as an agency, not really tried to do, but we have done, is shown that there is another way. We're not on high street. We don't pay commission. We don't dress as a traditional estate agent. You definitely don't. No, not if my cleaner hasn't ironed all my clothes <laughs> like we haven't today. So just challenge your thinking that why do you do certain things? Do you do it because everyone else does it or do you do it because A, it's right for your business and your brand and B, it's right for the business you want to build. And if both of those suggest that you pay commission, great, pay commission. But if they don't, then it's something you should think about. Agreed. Okay. Number three, um, TikTok, overrated mm. or underrated? Overrated. Underrated. Overrated in the sense that 99.9% of what's on there is total rubbish. And I've watched it all. Yeah, you have. And you can spend your life watching these videos that will add very little apart from entertainment. But what I want to bring up is, which is, I find quite interesting, what TikTok are trying to do now is attention span and building a brand on a very short amount of content. And what they've realized is that by extending the length of video, the people on there, the celebrities or whatever they're called, 
influencers can build a bigger brand by having longer videos because like copy, the longer the video, the longer time you spent with someone, it should build a higher level of awareness, of relationship. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. I think you're right in that overrated in terms of agents could just spend all day on it, couldn't they? Creating for it and watching it. But I think it's underrated in terms of what it can do to propel a brand. So we've got the lovely Michael Mortimer as a client. Mm-hmm. How many views did he get on his property video this weekend? So he posted it on the weekend and he got 286,000 views, which is massive. See, I also think that's overrated. You're right. But in terms of the, you couldn't get those kind of views on any other platform. No, but... But what do they mean? But what do they mean? They don't mean anything. I agree. So, I mean, if you want to boost in, in your ego, that might work. But in terms of an actual tactic to build your agency, overrated. Yeah, I would agree. Although we had a good view on Firewave, didn't we? Yeah. So Tilly did a TikTok on Facebook ads. Yeah. And we've only got 86 followers. So please follow us on TikTok because it's dismal. What's our TikTok account called? Team Firewave, just at Team Firewave. And it's great content. We put out loads great of Great content. It's fantastic. Yeah. Great content. content that nobody sees. Underrated content, I heard. Mm, absolutely. So how many views did we get on that particular one? Three and a half thousand and it's going up. So that's that's really good for us. I mean, it's yeah. you know, ten times. I'd be surprised if it we went down. <laughs> never know. Bot accounts. We might have paid for them. But I honestly think that for any other platform you'd have to pay for that reach. And this is free reach on TikTok at the moment. So yeah, I think there's a lot of underrated and overrated going on there. Right. Number four. Property brochures, overrated or underrated? Underrated. Trying to find an argument for overrated. I thought you might be. Do you know what an agent once said to me, I'd just written a post about brochures before we started Ashdown Jones, so it was for Home Truths, and I'd put it out on LinkedIn, and this agent wrote to me and said, are you trying to bankrupt me? But I just want to get that agent in the room and explain to him the economics behind creating a property brochure and putting money into it. Our property brochures aren't cheap, are they? And we have an in-house designer. So if we had to pay for, for the property brochures and actually all our marketing, it will probably come to about, let's say, £900 per house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not including videos on that because we would pay up to £2,000 for a property lifestyle movie. So it's just the actual property brochure. And some people could argue that a brochure is not needed. It's 2021. It's digital content that we need. We don't need a brochure. What's your argument? My argument is that well, I don't really have an argument, but I think across the industry, they're hugely underrated. But I also think they're hugely misunderstood for the purpose. Mm, I agree, yeah. Which leads to them being underrated. <laughs> yeah, because they think, agents think that they're for buyers and they think, well, they're going to sell the house anyway, particularly in a mad market. So I don't need a brochure, but they're missing the point. Well, and they think that it's specifically sell the house. Now, in my opinion, they do help to sell the house and they do add a certain level of prestige to the house. I don't know what word you were trying no, to say I don't, there. I don't, I don't, yeah. Sound like a new car brand. Uh, you know what? I was actually Proton. thinking in my head. Well, as I said it, I was Prius. thinking in my head, Porsche. I don't know why. So maybe Porsche bringing out a new car. Um, <laughs> and a brochure. And a brochure. But with that, I think there's a level, if you're selling a £100,000 house above Labrooks, to have a nice brochure with it would look a bit odd. I don't think you should talk about my apartment like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think it needs to be understood for the purpose of it. And what is the purpose then? The purpose is to show off 
the type of company you are, the type of brand you are, to give the owners the opportunity to have something produced about their home that they're going to be proud of, that they can show people, that they can have a little ego boost about, that they can take with them and show their grandchildren if it's a a specifically nice house that they're proud of. And it just brings the whole process together. It shows what you're about as a company. It shows what the house is about. It shows the bio exactly what they're buying and they can show off to their friends. Just It brings everything together. It's a good, I don't think it's imperative for any party, but it's a piece of a jigsaw for every party. Do you think we could have grown Ashton Jones without our brochures? No, the way we no have not done. to the level, no. No, I don't think so either. I think it's a key no. part. And it is a huge instruction winner. And Massive. I'm a bit uncomfortable about saying that because it does go against possibly what we say. No, it doesn't because we haven't produced a corporate brochure. No, no, but if we're going to vendors, we would obviously say the purpose of this is X, Y, Z, buyers, sellers, etc. But the main purpose for the business is to win instructions. But that isn't that the same as sale boards? It's Julie from the Coastal House Estate Agency in Dartmouth. Oh gosh, there's lots of favourite parts. I would think it's actually the masterminds. Bouncing back the ideas off a number of different agents who are all non-competing, so it's really helpful. Just lots of results, all positive. Competing against the top brands like Knight Frank and Savills. Definitely dealing with much better properties and much higher values. What would you say to anyone who is considering joining Firewave? Oh, do it. <laughs> Definitely do it. And don't delay and don't put it off. But the main purpose of the business is to win instructions. But isn't that the same as sale boards? Potentially. Because I said to Gordon, a lovely vendor I went to see the other day, I want a sale board outside. And he said, oh, I'm not sure. And I said, well, can I give you the reasons why? And I gave him all the reasons why from his point of view. And he said, Sam, I know exactly why you want a sale board there. And I said, well, that's true too. I do. I want an advert for Ashdown Jones there. Mm. But that's why we put the houses on the board. And it's the same as creating brochures for properties and not brochures for ourselves. It's the same argument, isn't it? And actually, that goes back to the blog I'd written because I've called it, does your agent believe in brochures? Question mark. Are you sure? Question mark. Because my argument was they told us that they didn't believe in brochures, as in property brochures, mm-hmm. and then they'd produce a corporate brochure. So do they or do they not believe in brochures? Yeah, I think business collateral to print anything you do that you print is hugely undervalued, underappreciated and underrated across the industry. Mm-hmm. What do you mean brochures for companies? I think anything. But we have, it, instead that, of, that you produce. But we don't produce a company brochure, but we produce a client handbook. No, but if we did produce a company brochure, it would be at a certain level. Yes, it would be. It's like we don't do videos. When we do, we do property lifestyle movies. So the, the client handbook, that's really important that it's a certain level to match. It's not the fact, have you got one or have you haven't got one? I think if you've got one and the crap, it'll be a negative impact. I agree. Yeah. And also not having a company brochure gives us a point of differentiation. We went to see a client a couple of years ago, didn't we? And she said, I get that you say you're different, but can you show me you're different? And what she didn't want then was a company brochure. She wanted to see our brochures. So it's a tangible proof of your promises delivered as opposed to promising. Because otherwise, if they say, how are you different? The next things that are going to come out of your mouth are all promises, mm. verbal promises that every other agent has made. So what, you can be more believable than them, but actually a property brochure is tangible proof of that promise on delivery. Okay, so that's five and we'll move on to six. In-laws, overrated or underrated? I bet you can guess who put this one in. Overrated. Uh, well, maybe we should change it to partners. Overrated. Why have you changed it? Because I thought it was supposed to be do with agencies. No. How about in-law partnerships? The new McFlurry's on, flavours on the next, the next option. You can't overrate an in-law. In-laws in general. 
I'm not an in law in general. I didn't say you were. This isn't specifically about you. I, everything I, is specifically about you. I and you are both in laws specifically. Yeah, but we've got a greater insight than most people. Who but not because we're in laws. <laughs> I do think we should talk about partnerships. I think that is valid. We can change it to partnerships if you want. But just to know, in laws overrated. Son in laws are very overrated. In fact, they overrate themselves. <laughs> they do. But partnerships, I think, are dangerous. And we have decided we don't want any more partnerships apart from each other. Hmm. We've, we've just been really lucky. And also, I think we've been, we've worked at it, but also because we're a family, then everything that Phil wants for his family, I also want for his family. I'd just like to share it with my other two children, whereas he's only focusing on one. I think the, the biggest danger in partnerships is when someone comes and they're brand new and they're relying on the finance of a different partner when that's not their sole business. And, and that's what we see. And it's great for six, nine, 12 months because at that point, you need their money, you need their, well, you need their money, that's it, really. That's <laughs> it. They don't often offer much more than that. And then you get to a point where actually you're working 60 hours a week, you're starting to get some good instructions through, your pipeline's built up to 50, 100,000 pounds. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, you've been paid back and now I need help in the business and you're not spending any time here, but you're still taking a salary. And that's when the resentment starts. And that is the biggest challenge. And is that first financial six, 12 months comfort worth the next five, 10 years of resentment and challenges? And I think resentment is the nail in the coffin because I don't think you can get back from resentment. It's something we've managed to avoid. Hmm. And actually, I think quite just luckily, but I was talking to somebody- I see how it would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and sometimes it's absolutely valid that that yeah. person feels resentment. I was talking to somebody at the weekend that was saying, do you not feel like you need to put the same amount in, like money, time? I went, no, never. It never occurs to me that whether Phil has two weeks off, one week off, four weeks off, or I do, neither of us look at the other one and go, well, hang on, you've already had your allocation this year. Yeah, yeah. holiday forms. I think we're quite fortunate though that we both overdo on time. Yeah. And underdo on holidays, etc. And therefore, we both try and push each other into holidays and time off rather than yeah. the opposite. Well, especially as I want you to spend time with yeah. my daughter, your wife, and therefore I'm more likely to kick you out of the office than I am to say you should stay later. Yeah, but I think that's why it works across the board that we both push the boundaries at the top end rather than the bottom end. Well, because I have no life. Well, yeah, true. Whereas some partnerships we know very well push the boundaries at the other end. Yes. And they try and do less than each other. Yes. And therefore that's when you start to get in trouble. It's like Peter's had today off. So therefore I'm going to have tomorrow off. I'll Mm. show him. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. And when we're the opposite, we're more likely to both respond to an email than neither to respond to an email because we both take it very seriously and we both take our responsibility seriously. And also we both feel accountable for the results. Whereas I don't think very many partnerships feel like that. They feel like the other person is accountable for some results. You know, we have a shared accountability, no matter what business we're talking about. But I think a lot of that is luck. I think you came in with no ego. Well, I came in with nothing. No knowledge. No money. (laughs) Just an idea. That yeah. you foisted upon me. Yeah. So I think in the early days, the first year, the only resentment could have come from you. And I didn't feel resentment. No, resentment had it been all. the other way around, it might have been different. How do, how do you mean? Well, I think I would be more likely to have resentment in that situation. The only resentment I feel is when people don't give us both joint credit for what <laughs> we've done. That drives me mad. When they say Ashdown's estate agents or... I mean, even some of my best friends say to me, yeah, but we know it's you, Sam. That really annoys me on your behalf, mm. because you do all the work in Ashdown Jones and you always have done all the work in Ashdown Jones. I think the industry now over the last two years has given 
well, it doesn't really give any credit, but if it does ever give credit, it gives 50-50. I, I certainly don't hear it. And I know that a lot of our clients, well, our Firewave clients know it's 50-50. Yeah. I think people like Chris Watkin was extremely kind to me two or three years ago. But again, I wouldn't have got in that position on Chris's sofa without him being friends with you. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, I think we both helped each other. And I think it's really low key, this lack of resentment. So if you are in a partnership and you resent the other partner, it's really difficult to come back from that. I think if you just think about it as a marriage, it's really hard to. You can't resent the other person and then stop resenting them. It'd be actually a good idea to get Chris and Andrew on here to discuss how they do it. Chris Heaps and Andrew Baxter. They, they seem to Enfield. work really well. They do. They do. I think that Chris is recognised by Andrew as being the experience and that Andrew's recognised by Chris as being the workhorse. Both got a great work ethic. They really have, yeah. That's what it's kind of born out of, isn't it? They never, ever, we've never heard one of them diss the other one no. in any way. No, and that, that is really important. Because when we first started, we probably, you were probably guilty of not trying to put me down, but no, that's you, would, fair. No, you no. would tease a little bit. Yeah, out of fear of my position. Yeah, well, trying to create yourself a position. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I probably did that in my personal life as well. That was a character trait. And <laughs> it not that, anymore? No, I, I was thinking about this the other day. No, I don't think it is anymore. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day because someone put a comment about your book and I put a nice comment about it. And as soon as I sent it, I thought, I would not have written that a couple of years ago. <laughs> you would have <laughs> I'd said. have been like, don't read it, it's crap. Yeah. Or use it as fire, firewood yeah, or something. I yeah. would. So yeah, if you are in a partnership and it's going south, <laughs> you may not be able to recover it. So always, always have a plan B. That's a bit fatalistic, but it's true. We've seen some businesses really held back by poor partnerships. And if you think about going into one, don't. No, you don't need them. No, you don't. Well, there's always a way to finance. You say that though. We needed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's not be a hypocrite because we did need it. I would not start Dash Down Jones without you, and you would not start yeah. it without me. Simple as that. Yeah, maybe you do need it. But, Some but people maybe you do don't. need it. Yeah. The challenge is you don't know until you've done it. And when you've done it, is it too late? So I think having a plan B and a, a get out is critical. Some kind of review period, some agreement that yeah. you're going to buy the one out at a certain amount. And if it doesn't feel right at any point, it probably isn't. What would you take for Ashdown Jones now? I bought you out. You couldn't afford me. <laughs> no chance. Okay, so we are on seven and we'll go with customer service, overrated or underrated? I would say that it is dramatically overrated as a lead gentle and dramatically underrated as an actual business specific tactics, actual Strategy. activities. Yeah. Or so, ethos. Yeah. So I think the industry loves to try and sell as a differential customer service. But actually, if they look at themselves and look at their service or experience and what they offer that, that's different to anyone else, it's actually very minimal. And nobody, well, say nobody, not many that I've seen try and go outside the box to learn or to train their team on new innovative customer experience activities or the, to improve the customer journey. And we used to do it more often. We don't actually do it very often anymore, where we, we call other agents around the country and get our team. We just did it on the Tuesday. You just, you just missed out, yeah. So we call other agents around the country and just get our team to book a viewing or to order a brochure. Maybe not book a viewing. No, not book a viewing. <laughs> order a brochure and, and see what the response is and see the questions we get asked. And then we, we discuss it and mark it down. The level of experience that not even your customer, but your potential customer, your potential buyer, the person that is... On the phone, yeah, experiences across the board is appalling. 
really it's genuinely appalling. appalling. Yeah. And a guarantee that those agents go into valuations and try and sell their service as a differential. <laughs> I think they think customer service is something that's reactive. And what we do is we rename it because that's important. It's customer experience. And it's actually client experience. There's a big difference between a customer and a client. Mm-hmm. A client is somebody you advise and a customer is something you sell to. So client experience. And we look at all the touch points that we can possibly differentiate ourselves on in a meaningful way for the buyer and seller. And that is our starting point. Whereas if you look at customer service, what's that? Is that the speed of answering the phone? Which is why we don't enter any awards because we don't want to be marked or scored on something that isn't actually important to us. I'd rather somebody phoned and didn't get an answer because one of our receptionists was on the phone chatting to a potential buyer or seller for 45 minutes. I think customer service gets mixed up with professionalism in the industry and professionalism in the wrong sense. So Efficiency. Well, yeah, trying to act like a solicitor. Well, trying to minimum time on the phone to get the information. That's yeah. such an awful yardstick. I'd rather they talked and chatted and we got the information, you know, over time mm-hmm. rather than going, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, where, where do you want to be? What's your budget? That's horrible. Yeah, but I think it's dramatically underrated in the industry, the impact it can have when you actually spend time, money, effort on high quality training. I don't know if you go to nice hotels or restaurants, et cetera, you can always tell the companies that train their staff. Mm. You to should a be able level. to see training. Always. In fact, actually, I would argue that it's supposed to be invisible. So you have to look for high training. You have to look for it. Because well, we, well, we recognize I'm, it. I'm, I'm in tune to it. So Molly would never notice. No. But I would notice. So I've just been to the Hard Rock Hotel in Tenerife, five star, class themselves as luxury. Hard Rock, you'd expect a high level of training. Mm. The staff behind reception were trained to a an average level. No one else in the company was trained. You can just tell by the way they do things. But we went to the Fairmont Chateau in Whistler, Mm -hmm. what, three years ago, two years ago? Yeah. And the concierge had won a prize as the second best concierge in the world. And their training was exceptional. Yeah, see, I didn't notice it there because I wasn't looking for it. Yeah, I really noticed it. In fact, do you remember we took the waiter aside and said, what is your training? And he said, we're encouraged to show our personality. And that's something that we do, I think, with our team, that they're encouraged to show the personality. Because Hannah said to me the other day, I do get very involved with our clients. And I said, that's good. Mm. I said, obviously, it's going to have a downside, but how much does that client trust you? She's got clients that are now friends. Yeah. And and I think that she should be emotionally involved. Yeah, I agree. It's it's vested. It's it's important. If she really really cares, that's going to be very obvious. And that client's a client for life. Yeah, it's more rewarding for her. Yeah, experience, client or customer experience is the best personal or business branding you can do. But it has to be taken seriously, and it isn't just you saying you've got a high level customer service. It is actual acts and training and innovation. Don't just look at what a company does. Spend money and go to all the best hotels around the world and the best restaurants and take notes on things they do. We've just had John DeJulius on the podcast a few weeks ago, episode number 16. He's an absolute expert in customer experience and he goes out of his way to find different touch points. He doesn't just do the status quo what everyone else does. And that is something that is really important to Sam and I. We discuss it all the time, what different things we can do to add to the experience and one tiny thing we do is we don't use industry terminology on the phone. It's so small, but... Small, but significant. But, but significant because there are people out there that don't know what a vendor is, that don't know what sale progression is. And by using this terminology, it makes people feel stupid if they don't understand what it is. And therefore, their experience isn't the best it possibly be. So there's so many tiny little things that 
that you should really think about. The best experience I've had in a hotel is probably in Tenerife as well, which is about a mile away from the Hard Rock, was the Royal Kerala's hideaway. And I'll go back there just because of the level of experience. Mm. Yeah. The most expensive by a mile, but that's what you pay for. It's also what you remember as well. Afterwards. It is. It's what you yeah. talk about. It's what are the talking points? Because we went to, I don't think you were there. I took uh, my three to see Wicked, I think, at the theatre in Manchester and went to the Hard Rock Cafe across the road first for a meal. And we asked the waiter, who was really fun. He was full of tattoos, beardy, pierced. But really, really fun. I said, yeah. but because obviously there's a aggressive kind of connotation. <laughs> so, and he was really fun, I should say. And we asked him to take a picture of us all. And when we got the camera back, he'd taken a lot of pictures of himself, mm-hmm. like gurning at the camera. It was really funny. And it's something I really remembered. And yeah. we all laughed about it. And that's what I remember from that. I don't remember the food. I don't mm. remember the cost of it. I just remember that guy showing a bit of personality. And that's what I remember when I think, when you say hard rock, that's what I think. Um, so I suppose the point is, if you think that you are great at customer service, where's your proof? What do people remember? When people see your boards, what do they remember? Yeah. And if you can't prove it, you shouldn't talk about it. So, no. oh, actually you shouldn't talk about it anyway. No, it should be just, you should it should never be talk a about given. It. Yeah. It should be given. It should be something you're super proud of that's behind it's the foundation, behind isn't the it? curtains, yeah. And if you're talking about it, you're probably not doing it. I don't think we've ever once in evaluation mentioned the word service or experience. It's not something you can sell. You don't walk into Argos and they say, "Oh, buy this toy because we offer good service." I mean, you probably don't experience it in Argos anyway. It's a bad example, but Sam would probably buy from John Lewis the same product just because it's John Lewis, and she would expect a, a better level of experience or service if something happened to go wrong. Hmm. It's not something you should ever talk about. I think, I may be wrong, I'm presuming that you're sat there listening to this wherever you are and you have used service as a differential in evaluation in the past. On my LinkedIn, it says that I'm the the co-owner of the world's best estate agent and somebody challenged me on it and said, what makes you say you're the world's best best estate agent? And I said, well, if I don't think I am, I'm in trouble. But you've got to prove it. You've got to strive for it. You've got to aspire to it. If we want to aspire to be the world's best estate agent, what does the best estate agent look like? It's like the Carlsberg of estate agents. What does that mean? You know, if Carlsberg did an advert about estate agents, what would that look like? It'd be helicopter viewings and it would be... You know, Carlsberg is really cheap and horrible, don't you? Yeah, but that's not the brand message. Probably going back a few years now. No, no. To the advert. We're there, aren't we? We understand it. Well, there was a flatmates advert. There was a really good flatmates advert, wasn't there? Carlsberg don't do flats. Oh. flatmates but if they did this is what it would look like and he walked in and all the girls are models and yeah. they just made a huge spread of food and then he goes to the back and then it's overlooking the uh, old trafford mm. and there's a game on you know it's, it was like that so what does that mean for estate agents and when we first opened that's what we challenged ourselves to what does the world's best estate agent do how do you know you're a world's best estate agent and that's where we started mm. probably getting a bit off topic now so customer service overrated client experience underrated yeah I think changing the language and changing overrated, underrated is confusing. But I think the using it as a differential, hugely, hugely overrated. Yes. And the actual, as a claim. As a claim. As an empty claim. Yes. Yeah. And the actual actions of the customer service slash experience in the industry, hugely, hugely underrated. You probably only say hugely want. Well, I wanted it to be extra, extra <laughs> important we'll go with volume of listings next overrated or underrated overrated but there's a caveat and the caveat is if you are a volume agency you set out to be a volume agency and that's what you wanted to be i'm thinking pink move in 
Wales. By volume of listings, do you mean they have a lot of volume? Yes. Or their plan is they seek it. They seek volume. They pursue volume. So in other words, quantity over quality. Right. Because I think if they have a lot of volume, then it's potentially underrated. But if they're going for volume, it's overrated. Yeah, I'll go with that. It's something that Andy Samson and I had a conversation about years ago when we were just opening or just Mm -hmm. before we opened. Because at the time you wanted to go volume, didn't you? I can't remember that, but if it helps your story. You actually said you wanted a board on every corner. I used that language. No, I said, do you want a board on every corner? And you said yes. And I said, okay, I don't want... Probably thought that's what you wanted me to say. I don't want a board on every corner. I want very few boards. In fact, we've got even fewer than we want because we actually want more boards and people don't want boards. But I think the idea of being volume, because I think people equate volume with profit and actually volume and profit are usually negatively correlated. I'm not sure that's true. I think that volume is success. Not it's a measure of success. It's a measure of yeah. success, not necessarily profit. Well, maybe they think it's profit. Maybe they think it's actually given. So you're thinking it's an ego? We, yeah, it is, yeah. The industry is driven on ego. Mm, I agree. With the and it's male-dominated. Yeah, How well, is that even correlated? <laughs> no well, comment. I don't think that ladies coming into the industry, I think ladies in the industry are different from men, usually. I think that their aspirations are different from male aspirations. They don't necessarily want high street office. They want nice branding. They want to do styling and all the things that we do. But that isn't the reason why there aren't many women that come into the industry. Is because that's not how the industry is done. Well, it's I not how the industry is perceived. Perceived, yes. Yeah. So I think in 10 years' time, I think that we and you that started have, or from what I can see, changed the idea of an agency mm-hmm. in certain areas. Certainly. Well, if you look at, so is it... What's the one, the one in... One sec, sorry. sorry, so, sorry if, and I think the more women that see that type of agency that works, the more women would come. Yes. And, and it, I think it works the other way, that if males, or men, or say males, if men see that type of estate agency, the styling, the, the et cetera, less men would come. Yeah. But it's still very male-dominated and very volume-dominated. Yeah, I think, I think male and volume will. goes together. So Sarah Mains, for example. Together. Sarah Mains, fantastic, very, very successful agency. Yeah. All volume. Mm-hmm. In fact, it doesn't fit with our model at all. It's a completely different model. But it's just as successful and just as profitable, but in a completely different way. Yeah. And she's a very, very driven lady, Sarah. Uh, you know, I have huge respect for her, but she has set out to make a completely different kind of agency than we have. But I think that in general, in the industry, volume is overrated because people think volume equals success equals profit, equals big cars. And actually, I think that quite often it's the opposite. Yeah, I am always conscious when answering questions like this that, we don't just preach about what we do and that what we do is the only route. No, I don't think it is the only route. It, well, it's not. It's been no. proven it's not. But this podcast episode is our perception of what's yeah. overrated and underrated, and that's ours. Yeah, I think the idea of volume is definitely overrated. Because the pursuant of volume can make you a very unprofitable mm. agency. But then if you have that volume already, like Sarah Mains, mm-hmm. then it's... Like Pebble so, Bricks. I certainly wouldn't say it was overrated. Like Pink Move. You arguably could sell it for more being a volume agent. Mm-hmm. Like so Connell's going to come in and be really keen to buy you if you've got 300 listings, the same value you've got 30 <laughs> yeah, listings. Yeah, because yeah, it feels like a dangerous place to be that. Yeah. Awesome. So we've not got that much time left. Anyway. Let's just rattle through the rest then. We'll, we'll save the rest, but I think we should do another underrated, overrated episode in maybe mm. three months' time. I think we should do. So People should send them in. Yeah. So if so, you're listening, comment yeah. on all our Facebook posts. Next, we'll do, I can't tell if that says 5am club or Sam club. First one. 5am <laughs> club. By the way, I run a club called the Sam club. That's why 
Isaac thought he was going to Sam Club, diss it. a hugely overrated, poor content. Underrated. It actually stands for the Success at Marketing Club. 5am Club. I watched a video last night, which was Mark Wahlberg. I'm trying to think because I don't watch films. So I don't really know actors. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, right? that's, he's an actor, yeah. Wakes up at 2.45 every day has breakfast and has his own gym downstairs and has another breakfast. But the question really is, 5am club, do you need to get up early to be a success? Well, at 2.45, that's... that's actually not even going to bed properly. He goes to bed at 9 o'clock. 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 5 hours, 45 minutes, that's not enough. No. Margaret Thatcher thought it was. I think the idea of you need to get up early to success is massively overrated. And I would agree. What's your morning routine? I am an early bird though, so mine's a bit different. So I get up at six. I've got I've got four hours before I need to be in the office. What's the purpose of getting up at six though? I wake up naturally at yeah, six, yeah. but I'm very active. Different. My mind is very active in the morning and not everybody's is, I get that. I could not write anything in the evening. I have to write in the morning. And I was same. listening to, who was it? Jeff Bezos. Bezos. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, did yeah. we listen to the same thing? Yeah, and he 10 said, o'clock meetings. Yeah, he yeah. said his cerebral stuff is in the mornings and the stuff that doesn't take as much out of him is in the afternoons. Yeah. So if any decisions are to be made, yeah. it has to be 10 o'clock meetings. Yeah. That's right. And then after 12 o'clock, then he, he yeah. has a, quite a relaxed afternoon. Yeah, he spends morning with his kids. He does, but he doesn't, and he doesn't actually get up particularly early. No, he gets up, reads the newspapers, hmm? has, has breakfast with his kids, yeah. and is in for nine o'clock. Yeah, it's really interesting. And actually, I took the decision two years ago to start work at 10 instead of nine, because I was sacrificing some of the stuff I wanted to do in the morning. So I read for an hour in the morning. I don't remember you making that decision. I did make that decision. I obviously know that you roll in at 10. I don't roll in <laughs> at 10. I sprint in at 10 and sometimes it's half past nine. <clears throat> sometimes but, it's half 10. But sometimes, but I have to sacrifice something if I don't do it. So I have an hour reading. I have an hour running yep. or outside activity. I do some uh, strength training, lifting or whatever. Lift, bench press. And then I prep my meal and then I get ready. And mine. Sometimes yours. You've done mine today? No. So 10 o'clock is when I can get here after doing all that. That all takes about three and a half to four hours. I, I literally live four minutes away from the office. And it works really well because I get here between, well, actually, Mondays, it's usually about half seven, eight, and then it slowly slips back <laughs> throughout the week. But then I get two hours in our office without any distractions where mm-hmm. I can either write or, or do something. So I can't write past 11 o'clock. But you get your ideas in the evening more often than not, I think, and I get my ideas in the morning. Yeah. Which I get my ideas when I'm, when I'm running or in yeah. the shower. Yeah. I think what we're saying is that it's not the 5am that's important. It's actually the personal development time that's important. Yeah, I'd agree. And there was a time I used to get up at six and go for a run or do And I was so tired by the time I got to work that it was pointless. And I think you need to do what is right for you. It isn't a get up at this time, go to the gym, read, get to work for eight o'clock. That's not what a success looks like. No, but I think we need to be also clear that everybody that we know that's successful or that we know of has a routine that involves personal development yes and physical development yeah they all i think they come hand in hand they have to and And i think it's mind body and soul as well you've got to do something that re-energizes you as a person i think the energy is a good word yeah i am a different person at work well i notice it others probably don't when i've consumed content in the morning or i've listened to talk spot you listen to a lot of uh of audiobooks don't you yeah and how much time do you think you spend a day on your personal development? Uh, about an hour. No, well, it depends if I go for a run or not. And by the time it gets to Friday, my head is so full, I can't consume. Friday evening, if I go for a run, I cannot listen to a podcast. The thing is, I'm really restless the other way. I can't go shopping without having my earpods on. Airpods. 
And so I listen to or read about three hours a day, which is, in fact, I had a coach a few years ago that told me that was too much and that was consuming. But what happens is my ideas have sex as I'm, it's true. They have idea sex. Idea sex is not my phrase. It's somebody else's phrase, but that's what happens. I listen to some of this, some of this, and then it has idea sex and makes a better idea for the two of them. And it could be that I'm listening to- What happened to my idea and your idea? I don't want my idea to have sex with your idea. Thank you. My idea is going to have sex with with themselves. And no comment. (laughs) Moving on to the final uh, (laughs) one. Centre parks. Overrated (laughs) or underrated? Overpriced. Oh God, overpriced. What are we spending on four nights? Like two and a half grand or something? And it hasn't even got a hot tub this time. I did a read the other day. Something like Lionel Messi's wage put into context. Three nights at Centre Parks. (laughs) (laughs) It is very overpriced. It is. But supply and demand always sold out. Yeah, but you see, there needs to be a better one. Somebody needs to come along and do a better yeah, centre parks. They, do. they need to do one of the American sort of Florida kind of resorts because it's actually pretty poor. Yeah, and the inve- level of investment is so bad. Well, the staff. The, the Lake District, well, they say Lake District, Penrith, not in the lakes, thank you. <laughs> gateway too. Not even the gateway. Gateway. It depends if you talk e- to a fire an estate agent. It's in... the fire exit, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's a nice site, but I went when I was about 12 and the, everything's identical. Even the tiles on the pool are All identical. they've done is added more lodges. Yes, to, for the exactly the same amount of facilities. So what do centre backs get right? Why do they fill it? Monopoly, lifestyle, aspirational brand. Yeah, aspirational. Although it's not very branded, is it? I think they could do a better job. We should take over. It, yeah. It's very European. It came over from Europe as an idea and it's a very European idea, this idea of all going together. It's kind of like the resorts in the 50s in America where you'd all go to the same resort at the same time with all your friends and you'd spend a few weeks there, like the one on Dirty Dancing, which you probably haven't seen, as if you haven't seen Dirty Dancing. Bit of a rite of passage. Your wife's probably seen it a hundred times. Probably. But they go to, I forgot what it's called now, somebody will tell me. Do you remember? You don't remember, Um, is it? Too young for that. You're too young for Dirty Dancing? When was it made? Like 1960? No, it was made in like the 19... I have no idea either, so... 80s, 1990s. Yeah, that is still way before our time. Mm. It's actually before you were born, just realised. Anyway, so it's based on that and that's why I think it works. It is odd, isn't it? Why it's so successful? It would be very difficult to compete with it because you've got to find a site. They are spaced all over the country. They've got the monopoly. Even when you're there, I mean, I do enjoy going. I get dragged there every Christmas and the kids love it. But actually, there's not much you do. It's all chain restaurants as well. I mean, you may as well be in a city centre. Needs to have a bespoke one, really. You go swimming twice. Slides are quite fun for 10 minutes. And then you go out to Bella Italia for tea. I'll tell you what I have noticed. The standards of the cars in the car park has decreased. Do you think? Yeah, because when I first started going, it was quite exclusive. But we're talking about like 1997. When it was Oasis. When it was Oasis, yeah. Well, ours was. Yours near you, wherever you're listening, was probably always being centre parts because every other one, I think they opened as a dedicated centre parts. But as Oasis, it was quite exclusive. The idea of going to a resort. I'll tell you what it is. It's a, it's a rite of passage for every family in the UK. That's the challenge that a competitor would have. Every family in the UK is probably at least knows where the nearest centre parks is well, I, and well, has probably been to it. Would you not say that there's a level where centre parks have priced themselves purposefully to be away from the typical haven. Hasn't worked though. Do you not think? But you've seen the people in centre parks. Yeah, I would say the majority are at the top end. I don't no. mean people, I mean 
Of... No, I would say mid. I think that they're Ford buyers. They're not, I they're think, not Tesla look, buyers. How many Teslas were in the car park last time we went? I can't remember. But looking at our clients, the family clients we yeah. have, they would all go to centre parks. Yeah, but it's kind of like right and, and we go to centre parks. It, uh, yeah, it's more... Um, but we wouldn't go to Haven. It's a bit of a, a necessary evil. We have to go. Why do you family love, love it so much? Because I love being with my family. Well, just have, we'll go somewhere half the price. Right, you tell our families that we're not going to centre parks and, and wait for the few more. Well, take two and a half grand back, happily. <laughs> happily, Samantha. We talked about resentment early in the Don't podcast. Don't you, Samantha, me, Billy. That's when I have resentment. When Tess gets on the phone saying, should we go to centre parks, knowing that we're going to have to cough up the bill. <laughs> yeah, she actually went and booked it there and then. Mm. On in the, our time. On the, on the AJ just, card. In our time as well, yeah. Just to add insult it. to injury. So we were paying her twice. So centre part is what we're saying, overrated. Overrated. I'm surprised you've gone overrated. I have gone overrated. But time with family, underrated. Time with family. That's the only reason I go. Depends whose family. I don't mind where Let's we go. Let's go back go, to in-laws, overrated. <laughs> well, that was our overrated and underrated episode. If you have an idea about what you'd like us to ramble on about... In terms of overrated and underrated, send us some ideas and we will do another episode like this in a few months' time. We've created a super special free Firewave gift packed full of marketing goodies just for our podcast listeners. You can get yours by going to www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift and following the simple instructions. That's www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift.